Dude, I thought you were driving. I thought you were driving. Oh, I never said I was driving. Well, I, I definitely can't drive. <laughs> if you're high, just don't drive. It's illegal everywhere. If you feel different, you drive different. Hey, I'm Jesse Witten, a local radio DJ, live music promoter, and overall Colorado music scene cheerleader, and your host of Mile High Mixtape, a music video series that brings you a look and listen to some of our community's biggest musical talents. Mile High Mixtape, only on Denver 8 TV. Links are representative of wilderness, of wild values, of the natural world. They're one of those species that's sort of an indicator for wildness. When you think of those places, you think of places that are hard to get to. You think of places that are rugged, that are tough to survive in. There's this sort of mystical suite of species that live out there that are rare and kind of reclusive. When I get out there and I see these tracks or I hear this sound, that's an indicator to me that I'm off the grid. The thrill of having lynx out there is more vicarious in that we all know there's lynx out there and that makes the system better, but we rarely get to see them. We don't really know what caused the extirpation of lynx in Colorado. Lynx are vulnerable to trapping, and their fur has always been very, very valuable. The boom of mining and the alteration in streams, some of the archaic, I'll call it, forest management practices, clear cuts that occurred were bad. Many of these causes were human-induced. We also have the ability to reverse some of those. Aldo Leopold said, you need to keep all the cogs in the wheel to have a properly functioning ecosystem. We are responsible for conservation and management of all the native species in Colorado. Part of our job and part of our mission as an agency is to take care of the native species in this state and lynx were one of them. I started working on the lynx project in 1997 
to restore a species into its native habitat is a unique thrill. No other states or provinces or anybody had ever done a successful lynx reintroduction. So we were pioneering how to do it. We initially were working with British Columbia and Alaska. Their populations were high. They were actively trapping them. They were as thrilled to be involved in a reintroduction in Colorado as I was. The first release was such a spectacle. We had been working towards this for three years. The act of opening the door and the lynx takes a tentative step out, looks around, and then starts to trot off. It was magical to think, wow, I had been part of this, and now that beautiful critter is back on the landscape. What happened was surprising to everybody. Within about three weeks, we saw the first starvation, and that was catastrophic to us. In retrospect, they were already starting to starve, and they came to us in marginal condition. We reconfigured the whole program so that we were gonna hold them for a minimum of three weeks and feed them well. Following that protocol, the starvations stopped. In 2010, we said the reintroduction phase was successful and was now complete. At that point, the attention turned to help sustain Link's presence forever. We know from the research we've done here that about three quarters of what they eat in terms of their diet is snowshoe hares. Bottom line of lynx conservation and keeping lynx on the landscape comes down to management of snowshoe hares, and snowshoe hares are heavily influenced by forest management. Our relationship with the Forest Service is pretty important. Our agency is the agency that put these animals back. We're in charge of the management of that species and monitoring of that species. But that species lives in the national forest system. So they're the ones that really provide the habitat for lynx and for snowshoe hares. Forest management is a pretty complex endeavor from a parks and wildlife standpoint. We want to make sure that we have big chunks of good lynx habitat and good hare habitat. From a Forest Service standpoint, they have a mandate to provide forest products for the public, in addition to providing habitat for wildlife and a series of other things that they need to pay attention to. From an operator's standpoint, they need to be able to get the product off of the land and turn a profit off of that. And so the name of the game there is to get all those folks together and figure out how to compromise so that we can all get what we need. One of the really valuable things that we do with our Forest Service partners are these field trips. Next, uh, next Tuesday. Uh, traffic numbers. Um, our uh, full passenger uh, and cargo traffic data for 2023 is in. Uh, during the year, uh, we served 77.8 million. Uh, we reported previously some months ago that our forecast was 78. Uh, we were at 77.8, so I'm rounding up. I'm taking the privilege of rounding up to 78. This is a 12.3% uh, 
increase over the 69.2 that we had in 2022, uh, and that was the previous record. Uh, I should also say that uh, each month in 2023 uh, set a record in terms of months, uh, passengers coming through the airport. So this is incredible, and we are, of course, building to accommodate those increased numbers. Uh, the train system, the AGTS train system on Tuesday, January 23rd, uh, we conducted a routine inspection of the track for the train that runs uh, between the terminal and the concourses. Crews discovered uh, some damage to a small switch plate on the running surface for the train between concourses B and C. Um, and that damage um, caused a disruption in our AGTS uh, train system. <clears throat> we were able to keep the trains running all day, but it was at a reduced capacity. Uh, we used buses uh, and additional staff. Uh, we deployed them to get passengers from the terminal to the concourses from A. Uh, those buses ran from A to B and C. Uh, we used them on a limited basis, uh, and due to the passenger volumes that particular day, we were able to accommodate uh, the passenger loads on that day. Uh, repairs were made that day. Uh, we resumed operations at 3.50 a.m. the next morning. Um, we then continued, and we continue now to um, uh, regular inspections of the, those other plates that were similar to the one that was damaged uh, to assess if any other repairs are needed in the future. So we will keep this committee uh, posted on what we're doing with that, but I wanted to report uh, that disruption. So today we're going to provide a presentation on DEN's non-aeronautical real estate uh, development uh, and a lease amendment before you. Uh, today, I would like to introduce Ken Cope. He's our Senior Vice President of Real Estate uh, Development. So I'm going to call up Ken. And as you come up, I'd like to welcome Councilmember Romero Campbell in, uh, in Chambers and Councilmember Lewis online. And uh, Director Washington, a compliment for you. Uh, when we were having the disruption at DEN, it was great to see you there in uh uh, in the field, um, personally overseeing uh, the disruption and correction. Please introduce yourself and take it away. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Mr. Washington. Uh, good afternoon, Council Members. I'm Ken Cope. I'm Senior Vice President of Real Estate Development for the airport. Uh, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. I'd like to talk about two topics today. Uh, the first is to give a brief overview of DEN Real Estate and, and what we do for the airport. Uh, the second is an amendment to an existing lease that council had approved previously. There's lots of content, so some of these slides I'll just summarize, uh, but I'm, of course, uh, happy to go back through and answer any questions at, at the end. So Den Real Estate, what, what do we do? Um, Den owns about 53 square miles of land. That's approximately 34,000 acres. That makes us the largest airport in North America by land size, the second largest in the world by land size. Uh, 16,000 of those acres will never be used for aeronautical purpose and so are available for commercial development. 
there are numerous restrictions in place uh, that govern how we can use that land, uh, including a cap of 1,500 acres prescribed by the intergovernmental agreement with Adams County, um, as well as numerous restrictions from the FAA. Dens Real Estate's purpose is cultivating impactful places at Dens that maximize public value. You can see in this overview map, uh, the 34,000 acres that I mentioned, 18,000 acres are indicated in the light gray. Those are what will be used to build out the airport as we continue to grow. And the 16,000 acres in the darker shaded gray is that land that's available commercially. In 2019, we completed a Den Real Estate Strategic Development Plan. That plan identified seven distinct districts uh, for planned commercial development. And when I say commercial development, just to clarify, that really means anything except residential, which we cannot do. Those districts are primarily focused on well-located sites along Pena Boulevard and south of the terminal. A pretty aerial shot of what it will look like when those districts are developed. Um, you see the terminal in the foreground. This is looking west toward the mountains. The lease amendment that we'll be discussing later today is indicated in the yellow circle section here, just to the south of the current cell phone waiting line. In November of 2022, we briefed council on an innovative process called the rolling request for offers. It allows any interested user or developer to submit an unsolicited offer to DENS at any time. It provides a predictable and streamlined process while ensuring public goals are met. One interesting thing that I, I wanted to make everyone aware of that's unique to the airport's land is that we have our own zoning code under the Denver zoning codes. It basically gives authority to the manager of aviation to approve zoning uses for the land. To ensure compatible and forward-thinking development, we created design standards specific to each district that guide development and allows our team to formally evaluate site and building design submittals. I won't go into great detail uh, on the development review process, other than to say that we've created a very detailed review process for anything that comes before us. And we've made significant effort in collaborating with other city departments and are having great success at that. Generally, DEN oversees site plan review through its design review committee, and a DEN project manager works with other city departments through the permitting process, as well as ensuring FAA compliance. That concludes the crash course on DEN real estate. I'd now like to give you an overview of a proposed lease amendment for your consideration. Last April, a ground lease was approved with Aravai Investments LLC for approximately three acres of land to be used for a gas station, convenience store, and quick serve restaurant. Subsequent to the release of the rolling RFO, Aravai submitted an offer proposing to expand their leasehold area to add a car wash and a secured and managed lot for peer-to-peer -peer car sharing platforms such as Turo. The amended lease would add two and a half acres to the leasehold and approximately $6.4 million in base rent to DEN over 20 years. It also requires Aravaya to build a new publicly accessible secondary cell phone waiting lot with EV charging stations that will be outside of their leasehold area, but adjacent to their site. Aravaya is a minority owned business with operations near other airports in the US. 
To orient you, this is an aerial overview of the subject site located at 75th and Gun Club Road. It's south of Pena Boulevard, directly south of the existing cell phone lot. Please note in white line here, the new inbound on-ramp, which will be completed this quarter. Uh, this will give much better access to the area and much more convenience to our traveling public. Zooming in a little bit, uh, you see the new gas station in the bluish purple color here. Uh, a convenience store, quick serve restaurant, and a car wash area. Next to that in green is a secured managed car share lot. Finally, in yellow to the north there is the cell phone waiting lot, uh, having about 170, 117 parking spaces available. If approved, the target opening date for this operation would be late 2025. Some details of the lease itself. It is a 20-year term, which is consistent with the original lease. It has options to extend up to 40 years. There's a right of first refusal for three acres just to the west of the property. A 14% MWBE design and construction goal, which is the same as the original lease. There's also airport concessions, disadvantaged business enterprise goals for food and beverage and retail sales as indicated. And an EDI plan was approved by the Division of Small Business and Opportunity. From a financial perspective, the base grant is a little over $2, $2.02. That uh, the amendment itself would grow the rent to den from $260,000 a year to $480,000 a year, from 6.4 million to 11.7 million over the 20 year term. And if Aravaya exercises its options from 16 million to 29 million over the potential 40 year term. Den will also receive performance rent uh, based on sales as shown uh, finally, we'll share in additional revenue gen generated by the new car sharing lot. The cost to deliver the infrastructure necessary to enable the development will be borne by DEN from its capital improvement program budget. There are several benefits uh, to this amendment in my mind. Uh, it increases amenities for our traveling public. It increases non-aviation revenue. It supports small and minority-owned businesses, and it increases EV charging capacity at the airport. In closing, Den is seeking city council approval to amend a lease agreement with RFI Investments LLC to expand the leased area to include the development and operation of a car share lot to the previously approved gas and convenience facility and increasing revenue by approximately 5.3 million for a new total of approximately $11.7 million. That concludes my presentation today. I'd be happy to answer any questions from the committee. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Councilmember Gilmore. Thank you, committee chair, and thank you for the presentation today. Um, and it's always good to hear where we're gonna um, have additional revenue to the airport, um, especially with these uses. But wanted to understand um, a little bit more around the development piece. So is um, this vendor for this lease amendment, who's taking care of the infrastructure, I guess, that will be required because this is undeveloped land? infrastructure will be uh, constructed by den with our fund and maintained by us uh, so the infrastructure will be our our uh, to maintain uh, they will maintain within their leasehold boundaries okay all right so then um we'll be responsible then for any improvements if yes. there's the necessity will there be um i guess additional 
traffic infrastructure um, required with this development, especially with the car wash and those different uses? And again, same question, who pays for it? Is that the, I guess it wouldn't be the leaseholder, it would maybe be Den, but if you could talk about um, infrastructure that might be needed um, for safety, like traffic signals, driveways, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely, it's a great question. So um, in terms of, of traffic, they've already gone through a traffic impact study uh, we've evaluated that and there will be traffic improvements as a part of this that will be paid by Dan and is already included in that capital that we've reserved to construct um, the intersection of, uh, of Gun Club Road on that access on the north. Uh, we're still deciding whether that would be a roundabout or a signalized intersection, but there will be traffic improvements as well as pedestrian traffic improvements. So um, part of uh, the construction here will include a sidewalk. Uh, on the east side of the property. So we'll be improving that as well. Right, all right. And with those improvements, um, assuming um, street lights, et cetera, will be yes. a responsibility. So everything, curb, gutter, sidewalk, all the infrastructure <coughs> is gonna be done. Absolutely everything. And uh, again, uh, those are all in accordance with the design district standards that, that we create. Uh, and so we make sure that the, the design of for instance, streetlights is consistent through the entire district, which is on both the south side of Peña Boulevard and the north side of Peña Boulevard. Okay. Are you concerned, I guess, um, you know, this is a, a long-term lease, but um, it, it's a lot of parking that we're creating out there. And I guess, um, you know, hopefully at some point we'll be able to um, have the reliability of having multimodal transit out to the airport, but um, do you have, you know, if this transitions or for some reason, um, you know, the, the car share where people just aren't driving out there as much, I, I know that that sounds like that will never happen, but for our climate goals, it would be a good thing. And so, you know, what's, what's the, the next iteration, I guess, if we have changes in use? Yeah, it's a, it's a great observation. And so there's a few points I'd like to make there. Um, specific to the car sharing lot, the operator here has the ability to, if that is not working either financially or from a use perspective, to change that use with our approval. So we give that flexibility so that it's not just a dead parking lot in the future for some reason. Uh, regarding the uh, cell phone waiting area itself, you know, clearly there's a need at this point for more capacity uh, in the cell phone waiting area. Um, you know, we've seen instances where it is at full capacity and people just don't have somewhere to go, which becomes a safety concern. So we know it's necessary now, but we also have the ability to change that in the future uh, and plan for another use if it's no longer necessary. Okay, all right, great. I appreciate that um, and um, definitely in support of this um, and look forward to the questions of my colleagues. Thank, Thank you, you Council Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Councilmember Gilmore. Councilmember Flynn. Hi, Mr. Chair. Uh, Ken, uh, can you explain the rationale behind the 20-year initial time frame and up to 40 years in total? Yeah. Uh, why 20 years? How, how large an investment is this that, it, that that long a period is required to uh, amortize? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Councilmember. So um, it, the initial... Uh, it, term of, of 20 years is, is somewhat standard in a, in a retail lease. They will be spending um, at least $6 million is their current uh, estimate of what they'll be constructing on the property. So that's the reason for the, for the, um, for the 20 years. 
The 40 years, I think, what's important to understand about the lease itself. One, there's escalators each year, um, so that rental rate will be going up. And then it, at the end of the 20-year term, if they decide to exercise an option, we have built into the lease a fair market value adjustment. So it will go through another appraisal. We'll say, here's the fair market value today, uh, and it'll raise to what that new fair market value is. Okay. Uh, where do the car share, how many car share uh, contracts do we have? Just, we, I think we have two. We have two currently. There's, there's one that is existing and operating right. now. There's a new one that has been approved, but is not yet operating. And where do they, where does the one operate right now? They operate out of the current parking garages. Uh, and so the way that it works is that, um, you know, somebody owns a car that they deem as being extra. They right. put it on that platform. Somebody books that, right? They leave that car currently in the parking garage. Uh, and so somebody goes and finds that car uh, and, and then leaves with it, right? What this does is allows a managed system. So from a safety perspective, you'll have a secure lot. It's managed 24 seven. There's a camera that's professionally clean to turn over. Um, so we think it's a much better solution. Thank you. And I think, you know, from when we did these contracts, I think this is a rather goofy uh, business model. Uh, you know, I could take my car out there, leave it there and have some stranger pick it up and pay me for it, right? Uh, but I understand typically people will go out and lease a bunch of new cars and put them out there. Are, are the platforms that are here, uh, the car sharing, uh, do they have to use one app, one platform, or are they multiple platforms here? The, the plan for this operator is to accept multiple platforms. Okay. Um, really, the way that it would work is that this is would be akin to a um, rental property management company that that takes over your right. car and says, "I'll take it. I'll take everything about it. and I'll manage this process for you." Okay. Thank you. It's getting even goofier now as you explain more <laughs> detail. Uh, how where it's two hundred fifty two spaces. Do we have that many in our garage right now that are associated with this? Yeah, so our current average is about 225 cars Seriously. per day that are booked at Denver National Airport. Okay, Program. so in addition to paying the car share fee, which gets split with the platform and with the owner of the vehicle, et cetera, uh, they're also paying a, a parking fee to get out of our garage, correct? That's correct. So we're losing that. We uh, have maintained that we will maintain a base minimum rent of what we're currently getting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, will they manage the cell phone lot also? Or are we just talking about the card that the map shows in green, the car share lot? Yeah, it's a great question. No, they'll only construct the cell phone lot. We'll, we'll uh, take care of, of the utilities there. They're mm -hmm. going to take care of trash, so they'll make sure that it's clean and maintained. Okay. Uh, but they're not going to uh, be monitoring cars or anything like that. Who's building the convenience store, restaurant, and uh, gas canopy car wash? RFI is. They're the developer of it. I'm sorry, who is? The, the, the leaseholder here, RFI LLC. They're the developer okay. of it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. That's all I have for now. Thank you, Councilmember Flynn. Uh, next up, Councilmember Parity. So I will confess that when I saw car share lot, I was thinking ride share lot meaning for the rideshare drivers to park in. Um, this is different. I take yes, it. yeah, okay. very different. Um, I have lots of questions and thoughts about rideshare drivers, um, <laughs> but that's largely it. I think um, to, to Councilmember Gilmore's questions about the climate goals, I'm just always sort of curious um, whenever we're 
setting aside space for vehicles like this if we can do anything to like for example the the car share companies themselves could we incentivize them to um make those cars evs right or um th things like that if we're using cars at least shifting towards electric um but other than that i think councilmember gilmore asked my questions thank you that's it i'm done um so, uh, Councilmember Parity, just to your to your point, um, this particular vendor uses privately owned vehicles um, as opposed to um, yeah. you know a, a different model. So, um, we could, I guess, you know, we, we are the city. We do we want to? I suppose we could uh, pass an ordinance requiring any personally owned vehicles to be electric. But um, but that might be a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, uh, thank you, uh, Councilmember Parity. Councilmember Romero-Campbell. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, and thank you for the presentation. I do have uh, just one quick question about like the cell phone lot. It wasn't mentioned um, in the presentation, but I'm wondering, is this also to help alleviate all of the folks, including myself at times, who just pull over on the side of Pena or on the off ramps um, and are just waiting. Is this a strategy yeah, to it, alleviate that? It absolutely is. You know, while I think those uh, times are certainly infrequent, uh, there are times that we're just at capacity in, in that lot on the north side. And so being able to have a bit of a safety valve, if you will, here on the south side, I think is wonderful. I, I also think that from a convenience perspective, to have them be in an amenitized area, there will be a, 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 and I haven't shown any graphics, but there'll be a little park with a dog park there with picnic tables. So you can stay there and actually have your children and loved ones and, and furry friends stop for a little while while you're waiting. And so it's just a much better experience as well. Okay, uh, thank you. That I think will be incredibly helpful for the number of cars that I've seen stopped on the side of the road in Pena. Does this meet some of that capacity or do you think that there would be more? I know some of these are the car share lot uh, and I know we always try to reduce our parking lots and spaces, but it seems like there are hundreds of people who continue to park on the side of Pena. Yeah, you know, certainly some of that uh, has to be controlled through our partnership with uh, DPD and, and others and making sure that we can effectively police the, the side of the road there. Uh, but we are hopeful that allowing extra capacity here um, that's in a convenient manner will take some of that off the table. And um, I'm just making the assumption, but would it also, so the other um, waiting lot, convenience store and gas station and everything would still stay there as well? Yes, that's correct. This one's gonna be very popular because it's an easy off on. That's the reason we constructed that new on ramp. We think Can you tell like we'll wait at the, at the airport a lot. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just no, back yeah. and forth, I'm liking exactly. It, it'll be a much more convenient option before you uh, had to take 75th to get back onto Kenya. So mm -hmm. this will be easy on and off. It'll be a really convenient thing for our travelers. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, I, I appreciate the answers and I say it jokingly, but I also do spend a lot of time waiting for people at the airport. So I appreciate that. Um, thank you very much. No further questions, Chair. Uh, thank you, Councilmember Romero Campbell. And uh, it's time for seconds. Uh, Councilmember Flame. Thank you. Uh, forgot to ask this the first time around. We're moving out of the garage. So if I made a reservation, I'm coming into Denver. I've set up with this app to have one of these cars. How do I get from the Jepson terminal to this way out of place location at Gun Club Road and 
Penja Boulevard. Yeah, no, it's an astute observation. So they're gonna have a shuttle that runs from the curb to this location. Really? They're looking at that shuttle being an EV vehicle actually. Um, uh -huh. So we're hoping that they'll be able to do that, but there'll be a shuttle that runs. And I think they're talking about about 15 minute interviews intervals, okay. if not um, more. All right, thanks. That seems a little more complicated than just walking out into the garage, but yeah, I, I, I suppose it'll free up garage spots. From a user experience, I think it's a lot easier to get on that shuttle and, and go to that one location as opposed to having to find where the vehicle is within the garage system there at, at Den. So we do see this as an attractive option for okay. travelers. So there's no specific area in the garages no. right now Correct. that they yeah. lease? They just, they just find a parking so spot random. and that's right. Okay. That doesn't explain any of the thefts that we've had out there. Does it? They got the wrong car, anything like that? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so the current model is they just find a spot in the in the in one of our garages. Yes, the the, the car owner, the host, goes and, and finds a parking spot. They pay for that parking spot, and then and I, I did this. Uh, you know, personally, I actually did this over the Christmas holiday uh, on a trip with my family, and so we traveled to that location. It's booked online. You're texting through the app with the person that owns that car, and they say, "Here's where it's located." Uh, and, and you go and get it. So that's uh, potentially where the biggest value is, is if you're going on a trip and you're gonna pay for parking anyway, you might as well let your vehicle, you know, be available to someone else who might use it. I think so. I, I also think that there's a hidden value that we haven't talked about, uh, which is the ability for people that have an extra vehicle that they're not utilizing to find another way to make income, right? And so there's, uh, you know, times are tough at, at times for everyone. And so being able to utilize your personal vehicle to have more income for your family, I think is a very good thing. Yeah, and um, I'm sorry, I'm asking you to make a value proposition for another vendor that isn't our airport. So uh, thanks for making that value proposition anyway. Uh, Councilor Verparity. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman. Um, I, I wanted to ask something that's related more to the general real estate presentation in the beginning and less to um, this particular uh, lease amendment. And so since no one else is in the queue, I'm gonna do that. Um, talk to me about, are there um, restrictions on the use of airport land that would prevent an Excel substation at the airport? Uh, no, there are not. So we are actually actively in discussions with Excel at all Great. times. My team talks to Excel on a biweekly basis in planning for our electrical needs and we're working with them now on such a use. Okay, that's amazing, I'm glad to hear that. I think um, it's a it's a need that comes up every time we meet with Excel, it's just that they need more substations for Denver. Um, so I'm glad to hear that, thank you. That's all. Uh, thank you, Councilmember Parity. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any additional, oh, oh I did, I was like, I, I thought I had one thing. Um, I think we've talked about this in the past with the original contract. Um, I just wanna bring it up again. Um, we have a new uh, regulation that takes effect starting tomorrow about access to EV charging stations for people with disabilities. And I think that um, last time we spoke about this, uh, Den had relayed that the, um, the vendor was actually excited about these new regulations and we're happy to implement them. Are you, you do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely, you've got a great memory. Um, they have committed to that and I've seen their designs and they include that. Great, and so uh, for the public, um, uh, the city of Denver is, uh, um, is going to be one of the leaders in the nation about um, access to EV charging stations for people with disabilities until tomorrow. There are no regulations, local, state or federal 
regarding access to AV charging stations for people with disabilities. But starting tomorrow, the regulations, uh, as uh, as they're written here in Denver, um, the uh, if there is an EV charging station built in a new parking lot, uh, the parking spaces next to it have to be 16 feet wide instead of the standard 11 feet, so that anyone uh, from a wheelchair wheelchair accessible van to a Mini Cooper. Uh, have access to the space and uh, and therefore access to the charging station. We want to make sure that all communities, including the disability community, have access to the electrification revolution. And so that's what I was talking about. And I'm so happy to hear that uh, that Den and Den's vendors are um, uh, are excited about moving forward and uh, will help provide access for everyone. Um, I see that uh, Councilmember Gilmore has uh, moved the uh, this 24. 097 to the full floor, seconded by Councilmember Flynn. Uh, any abstentions or dissensions? Great. Uh, thank you so much. Um, those five consent items will also move forward to the floor. Uh, and uh, seeing no other business in front of our committee, we are adjourned.